Hi there, and welcome to Living with Victory, brought to you today by Teague's Grocery and Cafe, serving Maggie Valley since 1965. Teague's is Maggie Valley's only grocery store. They're located at 130 Soco Road near the eastern entrance to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park and the Blue Ridge Parkway. You'll find supermarket product assortment in a smaller shopping environment with everything you need, whether you live in the area or are just passing through. Stop in for breakfast or lunch at the Corner Cafe, where they feature a variety of daily specials. Teague's Grocery and Cafe is open Sunday through Thursday from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 7 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. Call them at 828-926-1147 or stop in at 130 Soco Road in Maggie Valley. Teague's Grocery and Cafe. And by the way, today's program is also available on GodTube, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and at livingwithvictory.podbean.com. It's time for Living with Victory, a program of hope and encouragement brought to you by Living with Victory Ministries and listeners like you. In a moment, we'll join your hosts, Laureen and Tony Giorgio, for today's message of perseverance and hope. So if life has left you kicking up dust, keep listening, keep looking up and grab your umbrella, get ready to sing in the rain. is gathering showers of grace. Get ready to sing in the rain. Welcome to Living with Victory where life isn't about waiting for the storms to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain through perseverance and faith, above all, in Jesus Christ. Hey, hi, this is Tony Giorgio. We've got a great program for you. We have Mickey Carbonese Utzler, who has a fantastic story to tell and testimony. And let me give you just a little bit about Mickey She was born in Halstead, Pennsylvania. She grew up in Bainbridge, New York, and she went to college in Houghton, New York, medical school at SUNY, which is the State University of New York in Syracuse, board certified in obstetrics and a subspecialty of maternal fetal medicine in 1981. Her medical career was always focused on taking specialized services to rural communities. She authored Fetal Monitoring Interpretation. It was actually a textbook for obstetrical practitioners and in 2010 co-authored the second edition with Michael G. Ross, M.D. In her retirement, she started a new business, Grateful Steps in Asheville, North Carolina, a traditional independent publishing company with a bookshop. Grateful Steps became a nonprofit organization in 2011 with a focus on community service through publishing, representing a faith journey and Christian ministry. Grateful Steps helps individuals with various limitations become published authors. The organization has a monthly interfaith program open to all faiths. A recent program 
prioritizes books addressing concerns about sexual abuse of children. Mickey is a mother of a son and daughter and has three grandchildren with a grandson expected. Mickey's humanitarian interest was focused for many years in board and committee service in the National Perinatal Association, an advocacy organization for the health of mothers and infants. Dr. Cabanese served as president of the association's board of directors from 1988 to 1990. She attends Central United Methodist Church in Asheville. Her husband, Thomas M. Utzler, is a retired pharmacist. He is a radio-controlled airplane builder and flyer par excellence. (laughs) Mickey is living proof that we are correct when we tell you listeners that life isn't about waiting for the storms to pass and that it is about dancing in the rain with your perseverance and faith in Jesus Christ. Mickey, welcome to Living with Victory. Now what I'm going to do is turn this over to my sidekick, Aureen, and we will have the interview today. Mickey, your life has been all about loving and caring about other people out of your own pain. You are a blessing, and we are so grateful to have you in our community and to have you on our program today. Could you please tell us a little bit about your childhood? Well, I was born in a family that was very, very, very religious, Baptist, some holiness, and um, very fundamental. I was different from all the other kids at school because I couldn't wear any makeup or go to movies and dance and um, I felt okay about that. I felt like I was learning to love Jesus and I was taught scripture. I knew the Bible very well, could win all the Bible drills and and loved scripture except something changed and that is that my very fundamental religious father, deacon of the church, started sexually abusing me as a little tiny girl all my childhood and I so have compassion for the other women out there who know how it can happen how it can be year after year after year as long as you're in the home why don't you tell someone why don't you run away why don't you get help why don't you make it stop I understand what it's like to go through that and this was the 40s and the 50s when there were no programs about it or no people that would believe you and um, I didn't want my so-called perfect religious family to be exposed either to show the whole community that it wasn't what they thought it was finally when I went to college and was free from my home, I started for looking looking for something else other than Christianity. And I searched and searched for something different. I can understand why you wanted to search for something different. You still were driven by an obsession to be a very good person. 
Well, it is very common <clears throat> of victims, male and female, of childhood sexual abuse. You feel bad. You feel like you're a bad person. It's, of course, you're not, but you feel that you must be. And so you bury that part of yourself and have a good person come out and overwork, overachieve, um, try so hard to prove to yourself that you're a good person. And I went into medicine, and I, I really focused excessively on helping others and achieving. This was a choice that you made to do that. You know, the uh, Bible says, God says, I set before you life and death, choose life. But you chose life. You know, that's what I, I just have to emphasize that we do have choices when we're hurting, which path we will take. What made you choose? I know you went into medicine, but what made you choose maternal fetal medicine? I first thought I would become a plastic surgeon because still helping people because when my class, my senior high school class, went to Washington, I was really captivated by the Smithsonian Institute's stories and, and pictures of people who came back from war and had all kinds of deformities and how plastic surgery could fix those and I wanted to do something like that for people. When I got to medical school um, I did well. I, I had done well in school and except when I got to obstetrics the exam that they had toward the end of the year had a lot of questions to be answered in detail um, like uh, essays and when the exam time was over, I wasn't finished. And even though I knew the subject well, the fact that I didn't finish the test, I got a D. I never had a D in my life. So I was determined to make up for that. So the next year, we started some, some clinical rotations. And so when I got on obstetrics and I was with women in labor, I stayed at their bedside all the way through labor. I comforted them. I just gave my heart out to them. I fell in love with obstetrics, and the teachers fell in love with me and asked me not only to go into obstetrics, but to stay there in Syracuse and go into their program of obstetrics. So it was like doors opening up for me, and it was an area that, that I was happy in. However, I would sometimes think about gynecology and what am I doing? I was abused, and here are these little girls who have been abused. I started programs for rape victims, but I never told anybody that I had a history that helped me understand. And it was somewhat painful to work in that area, but I was driven to do that. When I went to medical school, there was no maternal fetal medicine. When I graduated from medical school. There was no maternal fetal medicine. And when I went through my residency, there was no maternal fetal medicine. It was a subspecialty that didn't develop until later in, in the late 60s, early 70s. I mean, late 70s. By that time, I was in Georgia 
providing obstetrical services to rural communities. It was a program under Jimmy Carter that divided the state up into five areas, and we went out and just served the rural areas, bringing problems into the centers. And I was enjoying that so much that when the subspecialties came out, I went ahead and applied to become a subspecialist in that area of maternal fetal medicine. Had to take really tough exams, write a paper, and have an oral examination. But even though I didn't know it, I think God was with me and went through that and was able to do that. It's amazing how God used you through your pain to help these other girls. I mean, I think that's just fantastic. And I think people have to realize the pain that you may be going through. God's, you know, he does order our steps. And he expects us to take what we've learned to help other people. I really just hope that whoever may be stuck right now out there in a situation that they feel there's no way out, that there's no hope, there is hope. God is with you and he's going to use you just as he's, he's used Mickey. Looking back, I could see that, hey, he must have been with me all that time. That little girl that loved Jesus and now he was still helping mold my life, although I wasn't looking to him at that time. Now, I understand that at 52, you had reached a moment of dis- total despair. You just came back to Jesus. You just said, take it. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> right? That's the most miraculous time of my life. My younger brother, who was very, very dear to me, was dying of cancer at MD Anderson. He had been a missionary in China. He's the only one in my family of five that wasn't involved in my abuse. We were so close. We were children. We played together. We built things, and we had adventures in the woods. And there he was on his deathbed, and I was sitting beside him. His family was, and also, I had just had bilateral mastectomies for breast cancer. The bandages were still on me, and they were still drains that were draining. So there, my little brother and I were side by side, and he was dying. And I was having some stress at at my work. I felt like life just wasn't working for me at all. I was sitting there writing down notes, and in my notes... I called out for help, but remember, I wasn't looking for God. At that point in my life, I was looking at New Age things, and and so I just called out to the highest self or something that was up there. I laugh about it to this day. The Good Shepherd said, I think she's calling for me. (laughs) And what is such a miracle is that my younger brother's in-laws were all gathered around him. And they left to go for coffee for just 10 or 15 minutes. And when that that calling out happened, I was alone with him and in walked one of his friends. I call him a little minister. He wasn't little. He was young, a Baptist minister from Katy, Texas. Walked in and went straight to my brother, who was in extremis, dying. And he said, I hate to see him like this. He loved him. Um, But just think, in just a little while, he will be with his earthly father. 
my father had died and a tree had fallen on him in earlier years and when he said that I rose up in my chair and I said that earthly father abused me all my childhood and that just blurted that out and the little minister turned to me and he didn't say all the things people said over the years like there there you're a big girl now or there there if you just forgive or there there it's something for you to get past none of that he didn't say any of that the holy spirit told him what to say he said four words that changed my life instantly because they were my missing words he said god would be mad i couldn't believe it i was in a childlike state sitting there losing my brother and he quoted from the bible about it'd be better for a person that hurt children to have a millstone around their neck we talked just minutes and all the family came back i was a different person though they could tell something happened and my life changed from there on and i am the happiest most devoted christian we have a lot of troubles still but not worried about them at all god just does miracle after miracle you know it is just amazing your testimony and i hope that people out there who are listening when i say you you're not stuck he will meet you right where you are. Just call out to him. He loves you so much. He loves you. He loved Nikki enough to send the exact person into that room at the exact time, the perfect time, because he wanted to bring her peace and bring her back to him and her his arms just totally around her. So he loves you and I don't care what age. That was at age 52. I don't care if you're 102. It's never too late to call on him. Why I'm so happy with Christianity is I'm very conscious it's a living God. It's interactive. We have an interactive relationship with him. And in these modern times of computers and so on, people understand interactive. We have an interactive God. And I know we're running out of time, Mickey, but can you tell tell us about grateful step foundation how you came to form that and why the name after i retired from medicine i decided to immediately start working with um, developing books i had some things to write but quickly found i would rather help others write their books and i had a couple staff that stayed on with me that had been my medical staff and um, we did some brainstorming mission planning vision planning and we wanted the name of our new organization or company at that time i wanted it to talk about a journey because now i was on a new journey i wanted to express my gratitude about my new journey and and to um help others i thought of sojourners but that was taken <laughs> and so um just together words came up and they fell together and we all said aha grateful steps and um, we wanted a logo and my daughter who's a graphic designer created a logo of a ladder of crosses not knowing that i had had two dreams about a ladder of crosses so we were on our way helping helping folks publish we're in our 13th year and we'd never 
had any cash flow. It's a, it's a time when publishing companies and bookstores and even printers are closing all around us, and yet we see miracle after miracle. We come against situations where we couldn't possibly go on, and God will come forward with a benefactor or an unusual sale or some other solution, and we keep going and we keep going. The interfaith program and the working with books about prevention of childhood sexual abuse are some of the real joys that have evolved that were my idea. There are things that God has done to expand his territory. As the Jabez prayer goes, we pray it every day. Uh, we pray that you will bless grateful steps indeed and enlarge our territory to serve you and to keep your hand with us and keep evil away from us so that we may not cause pain. I'm sure that when you were back at the beginning of everything you went through, going to school, getting that D, you couldn't have imagined what God had for you, right? <laughs> and and also, um, who would have thought publishing? Well, after I found out I was so happy in publishing, I said, what's going on here? I'm so joyful doing this. I remembered my grandparents on my mother's side were publishers in a little small town and I found and this is sort of amazing to me we hear about gifts in a Christian journey I found I had some gifts that I had no knowledge of in working uh, with the editing and some with the layout and it's made it really a very rewarding process and you found all this out when you retired Yes. <laughs> okay, and there again, age does not matter. Don't sit back and think you can't do anything, people. Get up, get off your chair, and get excited about life. Grab Jesus by the hand and let him take you where he wants to. Some folks, un understandably, think this is a second career, and it's not. Um, if it were a second career, we would be picking books to make us money. No, we're not picking books to make us money. We're taking each author in turn, and if they have some problem in developing their book or if they they need a lot of work on their book, we help them bring it to excellence. It's not to make us money, but to help them get their wonderful stories out. Tell them where Grateful Steps is located. We're in Asheville, and we're on Merriman Avenue, 333A Merriman Avenue, right next to Del Vecchio's wonderful <laughs> Italian restaurant, whose food we serve for any of our special events. And um, we were on South Lexington, and initially, for many years, we were on uh, the place where my medical practice finished up on um, Hendersonville Road. And if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how can they do that? We have a phone number that's lasted through all of those changes, 828-277-0998. And my email is Mickey, M-I-C-K-I, -I, like Mickey Mouse with an I, at Grateful Steps, with an S on the end, it's G-R-A-T-E, not G-R-E-A-T, G-R-A-T-E, Grateful Steps, with an S, Dot org because we're a nonprofit and donations are fully tax deductible. I know you've been healed, Mickey, and your life has been just wonderful, what you've done with it. 
you from out of your pain what would you say to someone right now who's maybe sitting there listening to this and they feel stuck one thing that that I've learned over time, and this really comes to my mind all the time in our interfaith program, which is open to all faiths, everybody's at a different place on their journey. I would never judge anybody for where they are. I just hope that I can help share, as other people who have gone through pain share, because in doing so, we all gain. Don't be afraid to let God heal whatever it is that you need healing for. Sometimes we stop him. Let him heal you. You'll, you won't regret it. Repeat your telephone number just in case somebody didn't catch it. 828-277-0998. Thank you. Mickey, I love you. I am so grateful you came here and we had this one-on-one. You're wonderful. I love you folks, too. I'm glad you've come into my life. Help Lorraine and Tony in their ministry by becoming a Living with Victory partner. You can make a donation of any amount through PayPal at livingwithvictory.org or send your check to Living with Victory, P.O. Box 1982, Maggie Valley, North Carolina, 28751. That's Living with Victory, P.O. Box 1982, Maggie Valley, North Carolina, 28751. And remember, you can make a donation or purchase gas cards for Living with Victory's Fuel for Life program at Teague's Superette at 130 Soco Road in Maggie Valley. You've been listening to Living with Victory with Lorraine and Tony Giorgio, who for over 30 years have advocated for seriously ill children through Compassion Children's Foundation, today known as Living with Victory Ministries. Support for this radio ministry and our outreach programs comes from listeners like you. Many families that have children that need daily treatments for their illnesses are extremely challenged due to the cost of simply getting to the treatment facilities. Our Fuel for Life outreach supplies gas cards to families at four children's hospitals. You can support our outreach programs by sending your tax-deductible donations to Living with Victory, P.O. Box 1982, Maggie Valley, North Carolina, 28751. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this radio ministry, we'd love to hear from you as well. Thanks for listening. So if life has left you kicking up dust, keep listening, keep looking up and grab your umbrella, get ready to sing in the The preceding program was brought to you by Teague's Superette and Cafe at 130 Soco Road in Maggie Valley. Call them at 828-926-1147. You can hear this program and others from Living with Victory Ministries on YouTube, GodTube, iTunes, Spotify, and at livingwithvictory.podbean.com.